Ezekiel 33, Ezekiel 33, verse number 7. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word of the Lord at thy mouth and warn them from me. Everybody say, warn them. Verse 8, And when I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked, again, warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thy hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, and he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Anytime you talk about warnings and you start mentioning something about warnings or hell or being lost or something like that, it automatically there just gets a heavenly hush. <laughs> Y'all got real quiet there because you don't know where I'm coming today. You know what I'm going to say. I don't either. <laughs> no, I really do. I help, I help a parent. I do, I, I do have something to say to you today. And I, I really didn't intend to preach a message of warning today. And I, I felt to go in an area... And my title was, Read the Warning Labels. And that's what I gave to um, our media early this morning. Brother Wade sent it to him. And then in my office, when I came back out, the Lord just changed my mind. And it almost sounded too negative. I didn't like the way it sounded. I didn't want you to think I was preaching all negative here today. And so I changed the title, Turning God's Warning into Our Privileges. Turning God's Warnings uh, into Our Privileges. Sometimes we look at warnings as things that are bad for us. We look at warnings as things that God is restricting us because he doesn't like us or doesn't love us or doesn't care about us. Same thing applies to the church. Pastor can get up and say something. If you're not careful, you'll get thinking, well, he don't like us. He's being mean to us. Moms and dads face that same thing. You tell your kids, you can't do this. You cannot stay out past a certain time at night. You must be home at a certain time. And you know, when we tell our kids that, they almost look at us like we're mean. Huh? They look at us like we're doing them an injustice. We're doing them wrong. We don't love them. 
because we're forcing ourselves on them. But I got thinking about that this morning, and while I was standing there, I, I thought, you know what? They're going to take this wrong if I, if I preach my title. And so I changed it. We do have warnings from God. God has given us emphatic warnings. You've got to pay attention to them. You've got to obey them. But I would like for us to turn those warnings into privileges because God in his love and mercy and grace has given us warnings that will be a privilege and a blessing to us if we listen to it. But you got to listen to God and you got to pay attention to God if you're going to get the privilege. Because if you don't obey the privilege, uh, the, the, the warning, it becomes more of a curse than it does a privilege. And there are many examples in the Word of God where people disobeyed God and it became a curse to them instead of a privilege. God's intention when He warned us of things was it would be a blessing to us and a privilege to us instead of damnation to us. And God loves us so much that He gives us guidance. He gives us direction. He talks to us in a way that if we'll listen to Him, we'll receive the privileges and the benefits that God intended for us by giving us the warning. God's not wanting to warn us to keep you away from good stuff that benefits you and bless you. God is wanting to warn us of the dangers and the loopholes of the things that will take us out of relationship with God. And there are many of them. I wish some of y'all would get a little sad look off your face. <laughs> y'all got me scared. You look so sad this morning. Come on, put the joy of the Lord in your heart. Put a smile on your face. Turn to somebody and say, smile a while and give your face a rest. Turn around to the one you love the best. And I better quit singing because I don't remember the words and it's going to sound dumb. Let's tell the Lord we love him. All right, tell him again. I love you, Lord. You can be seated. Our lives are filled with warnings. On a daily basis, all of us find warnings in almost everything that we buy or we possess. Every time uh, people go buy a package of cigarettes, there is a warning on those cigarettes that tell you they could cause cancer. They could cause problems in your body when you smoke cigarettes. But millions of people disregard those warnings. And as a result, our hospitals are filled with people that are dying of cancer. And our <clears throat> medical system is taxed tremendously because of people having to be on oxygen and carry it everywhere they go with them because they did not heed the warning. 
medicines warn us against taking them. And it says, do not take this medicine if you have high blood pressure or heart trouble or stomach issues. In fact, some of the symptoms that you could receive by taking the medication are sometimes greater than the risk to you of what you're trying to cure by the medication. I've seen commercials about new medicines that will change the way you live and make my life more enjoyable. People are smiling and excited and they are doing things they have not been able to do before they started taking the medication. And just about the time you get excited for them and may even be thinking about yourself, it says uh, the commercial starts a long list of side effects. And it says this may damage your liver and it may cause dizziness and heartaches or headaches and heartache too and nausea and internal bleeding. It could cause stroke or heart attack or muscle cramps and blurred vision suicide tendencies, and it could possibly even kill you. That takes all the joy out of it for me. When I get to reading the side effects, I'm thinking, you know, I'm not doing as bad as I thought I was. I would rather take my chances without the medication than to take the medication and receive the side effects. It's crazy. When we're driving on the roads of our nation, we will notice a lot of traffic signs that warn us of dangers that could exist. I I personally like those signs. I read a lot of them, and I pay attention to them. I observe them. I, I like police officers. I don't like them when they stop me, which is rare, but... I have had them to stop me before because I wasn't paying attention and the speed limit dropped and I didn't notice the sign and those bubblegum machines start cashing in. They start taking those checks because they loved uh, to write tickets and build up their revenue. But I like police officers when I'm in trouble. I like the privilege of being able to call 911 if somebody's breaking into my house. Amen. All of us enjoy the benefits, but we don't necessarily like the warnings. Some of those signs may tell us to slow down, and some people just do not like to slow down. Some of those signs will say, slippery when wet, check your brakes. Dangerous curves, falling rocks, bridge could freeze in cold weather, train crossing, school zone, children crossing, and the sign, the list of signs could go on and on. These signs are warnings to everyone that if we follow them, it will make our trip safe. And uh, sound, but if we disregard these signs, we could have destruction and chaos 
and we could har have harm to us and other people. A driver can choose to either rely on his experience in driving and disregard all the signs that he reads, uh, or he can read those signs and follow those directions and probably be safe. Have you ever seen the sign on the wall that says wet paint? What do people do when they read that sign? Most people will touch the wall or touch the painted item to see if it's wet. Am I right? You know I'm right. So the Bible often states the obvious because people are foolish and they don't pay attention. But even when scripture states the obvious, some people have trouble accepting it. Americans are getting warned to death. Manufacturers are increasingly wary of being sued when their products are misused. So they are attaching warning labels to the items that they sell. For, and, and some of them are utterly ridiculous. For example, a Batman costume that kids wear at Halloween or just for play. On that costume was a warning. Parents, please exercise caution. This is... This suit is for play only. Mask and cap, capes are not protective. And cape does not enable the user to fly. You would think we'd be smart enough to know that. You would think that the average person giving their children a Batman suit would know this is not the real Batman suit. They're really not going to fly. And to me, that warning was not necessary. I appreciate the government having agencies that monitor and control items that are sold here in America. But sometimes I think they've taken it a little too far. Here's some wacky warnings. One of my favorite is a label found on a most popular child scooter sold in America. And if you look closely, right on the handlebars between the grips, it says, Caution! This product moves when used. Aren't you glad for that warning? Buying a scooter, you just didn't know if it was going to move or not. And so the government helps you to understand that. There is also a snow sled that warns, beware, sled may develop high speeds under certain circumstances. And then there's the label that's found on a live Christmas tree. And I can't imagine this, but it had to warn, this is not intended for human consumption. Don't eat your Christmas tree. Warning labels on a letter opener once said, caution, safety goggles recommended. To open a letter with a letter opener. A fuel tank warning, never, never 
Use a lit match or open flame to check your fuel level. A label on a hairdryer reads, Never use hairdryer while sleeping. How in the world and why would that be necessary? Who would use, how can you, if you're sleeping, use the hairdryer? A warning on electric drill made for carpenters cautions this product not intended to use as a dental drill. On a child's stroller, remove child before folding. You ought to be smart enough to take your child out of the, the stroller before you fold it up and put it away. A popular manufactured fireplace warns, caution, risk of fire. The label on a bottle of drain cleaner, I can't believe this one. It says, if you do not understand or cannot read... All directions, cautions, and warnings. Do not use this product. Duh! If you can't read, I can't understand what that there is on that label. I don't understand it. I can't read it. So why put a label if you think they can't read it? That makes no sense to me whatsoever. On night all sleep aid, it said warning may cause drowsiness. On nobody's peanuts or nobies. Uh, Maybe it's pronounced Nobby's peanuts. Warning contain, uh, warning contains nuts. <laughs> On boots, children. Everybody say children. Yeah. Cough medicine. Do not drive or car or operate machinery after taking this. On a children's cough syrup. On Marks and Spencer's bread pudding. Product will be hot after heating. Boy, what a revelation that our government has come up with to know that if you heat something up, it's going to be hot. A warning on a bass fishing lure with three pronged hooks says harmful if swallowed. Found on a clothes iron. Do not iron shirt while wearing shirt. Why would they have to make these labels? Doesn't it seem obvious enough that you shouldn't use these products in this way? But the scary thing is that probably somebody has already tried to do those things and that's why they had to come up with the warning labels because somebody's curiosity already got them in trouble. And now they've got to warn you, don't eat a bass lure with three hooks on it because it could be harmful for you. While these kinds of warnings may fall on deaf ears, the Bible points out the importance of us heeding God's warnings. Ezekiel's words in chapter 3 make it clear that a warning is vital, not only for the person receiving the warning, but for the person giving the warning. God's word must be taken seriously. Do not grieve the Holy Ghost. We are told in Ephesians 4.30, abstain from every form of evil. 
Jesus warned us against adultery and lust and against judging others and self-righteousness in Matthew. And these things, when you read the warning, a lot of people think God is so unfair. He's so cruel. He's so mean to us because he wants us to get married instead of living together. He wants us to obey his will and get married and live a relationship that's pleasing to him by obeying certain things and listening and not listening and doing and not doing. And so a person can look at those and say, oh, those laws are binding me. Those laws are causing me misery. And then we find out when you don't get married and kids don't even know who their daddies are and their parents are and then you have trouble uh, in, the, in the family tree. You have problems associated with people just living together and not being a committed marriage. Then you see many, many problems that children face the rest of their lives because their parents didn't want to obey the warnings. The Lord who made us and knows how we should live long and protect us from danger gave us the Ten Commandments to protect us and to guide us in this world. And can I tell you the Ten Commandments are not a list of ten suggestions. These commandments represent the basis for our behavior and the basis for whether God is pleased or not pleased with his people. The Ten Commandments were just the beginning, but from the framework for the next 12 chapters, you read that God speaks to Moses about the character and the behavior and society and worship and many other things. For the first time, we now see God setting down his expectations for his people. They might not have realized that when God brought them out of Egypt, he was purchasing them as a people. Now he begins to reveal to them the kind of character that he expects them to live by. The commandments of verses 3 through 17 are broke up, broken into these three groups. Verses 3 through 6 involve who God is and how to and how not to worship God. Verses 7 through 11 involve how they were to relate to this God personally. Verses 12 and 17 through 17 involve how to relate to one another as family and society. Verses 1 through 3, God is not saying you owe me for saving you from Egypt, even though that was probably true. He is simply stating a fact. Simply, there was no 
other God before him or beside him. And he wanted them to get that in their mind. And that was why it was so important that Israel understood that there's only one God. And that one God has all power and authority to lead you and guide you and deliver you and save you. But they were coming and going to a land filled with many gods. And God is telling them that they must give their lives and allegiance to Him and Him alone. It is true that there is only one God. But it will take time for them to really see and understand that fact. Right now in their infancy, they need to know that nothing else matters. And what they see or will see uh, about other gods and the way they worship and the, the people serve those gods, uh, they need to understand that there's only one God. When you see those idols and those trophies, uh, when you see those altars uh, and you see people worshiping many gods, you need to remember the fact that I told you there's only one God and you know Him and you will serve Him and Him alone. It was so important that God made it one of the commandments uh, that he built his whole kingdom on. Verses 4 and 6, God says, don't make any physical resemblance or representation of worship of any kind, anything in heaven, on earth, or anything I have created for the earth. To do that would instantly demean or degrade the Lord who is completely over and above all creations of this earth. Today, of course, people worship the earth and the trees and all sorts of created things. The people back then made all sorts of idols, frogs and cattle and women and any kind of thing and God is telling them not to do that not nor should they worship God in that way that they were worshiping this is important because by chapter 32 we read that Israel fell into that trap and they began to worship a golden calf God was warning them in the word of God. He made it clear. He made his intentions clear. He wanted his people to know without a doubt there's only one God and you need to know how to serve him and how to live for him. But they find themselves falling into that trap and worshiping an image, a golden calf. And God, being a jealous God, was so angry with them. So in instead of turning the laws of God, the commandments, into a privilege, they turned it into a curse. And can I tell you folks, sometimes the God's wanting to bless us. The Lord's wanting to bless our families. Sometimes God's wanting to bless your finances. 
and I'm about to sign the financial statements of this church and I get embarrassed every year because of some of you that attend this church and you love the worship and you love the people we bring in. You love to enjoy this building, but yet you don't support it with your tithes and offering. And that's frustrating to me as a pastor. I can't imagine how frustrating it must be to God, a God that gave us the power of the Holy Ghost, the God that set us free from sin, brought you out of iniquity, brought you out of a messy life and cleaned you up and straightened you up and yet you won't support him. And so we get ourselves in a mess instead of those commandments, that commandment that the Lord told us that we should uh, give our tithes and offering. He made it clear. There is no way you can prove that that wasn't the will of God. And yet, instead of it being a blessing to us, it becomes a curse because we don't heed the warning. I'm going to tell you, some of you have blessings on your homes. You have blessings on your finances. Some of you have thought and you've made the statements, I don't understand, I wish I was blessed like them. Honey, you don't give like them or you would be blessed like them. Amen. Giving has to be a condition, condition of the heart. It has to be something that you do because your heart's right. If you don't love God right, you're not going to give right. And that bleeds over into our prayer. That bleeds over into our worship. It bleeds over into our faithfulness to church. It bleeds over into everything living for God. Honey, if you're not willing to give right, you're not going to be right in the kingdom of God. Instead of it being a blessing and a privilege, a lot of people it turns into a curse because God turns off the blessings. And he just allows life to take its course. When you read what God said he would do for his people when they're faithful, I don't read nothing but being blessed coming out of it. It is. You read it. Get out your Bible and read it sometime. It tells you how God's going to stop the devourer. That means if you got crops, he's going to stop the weevils and he's going to stop the, the locusts and, and all that stuff. If you're, you're faithful to God, he said, I'm going to show you my blessings. I'm going to pour out blessings you can't even contain. Wow! Sometimes we turn the privileges and the blessings of God into a curse instead of being a blessing. We don't listen to those warnings. People get their lives in a mess. They, they want to live and they, they want to get the, the benefits of being married without being married. They want to live with somebody. They want to sleep with them, but they don't want to be connected to them through uh, God's plan and God's laws. And there's so many complications and troubles that come out of that. And I don't know why I'm saying this twice I've said it today. Evidently somebody sitting here, you need to listen to me. God's trying to tell us he has some laws that he implemented and put in place for our benefit. 
It can be turned into a privilege instead of a curse. God wants to bless us. But we've got to heed the warning in order to get the blessing. I'm so glad we got police officers patrolling our streets. I'm glad you don't have people that can just drive 150 miles an hour through Tyler, Texas. They, they might do it, but I'm going to tell you, they'll be stopped. And you just can't hardly get away from them anymore. They got helicopters in the sky. They got all kind of device. You know, they can drive down the road. Some of you have been the recipient of this. Be driving down the road, and they'll just kind of flash a little old device on your car, and it'll say, they've got outstanding tickets. They have a warrant. And some of you have received that blessing. And you know what they do when you don't pay tickets? When you don't pay tickets, and you're driving down the road, and they pull you over. I've been riding with cops when they did it. It's embarrassing. Pulled a man over one time. I was riding with a Tyler PD years ago. And they just pulled a guy over for if he was speeding. And they pulled him over. And while they were checking his record, they found out he had about three tickets that he had not paid. You know what they did? They put the cuffs on him and took him to jail that night, right then. He couldn't talk him out of it. He couldn't buy his way. If he'd had the money, he couldn't have given it to that police officer right then and say, look, my ticket's $500. Here's 1000 Just go take No, sir. He's going to go through the system. you got to go down there and meet the judge. And usually it's going to be the next day, so he's going to spend a night in jail. And, and people say, well, that ain't right. That ain't fair. It's the law that we have to make this system work. And this system does work. We don't like some of it, but it works. It keeps evil people from overcoming and ruling our earth. I'm glad that we don't have uh, evil people ruling our society where anything goes, anything's welcome. Just do what you want to do with no consequences. I am so thankful that we have consequences to people that do wrong in our society. Same thing in the church. I'm glad it's not just you do what you want to do. Some of y'all would have already taken this mic from me and said, sit down, I got a word today. I'm the preacher today. I know as much as you do. In fact, I may be smarter than you are, and I've got this thing. I'm glad y'all don't do that. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have that kind of thing in the church. There's some laws that God governed his church by. He set them, and, and I don't look at it as a law that binds me up. I look at it as a privilege that gives me freedom and victory. God gives us the laws to help us. He gives us those cannots and shall nots because it'll make a better person out of us. It will make us better. It'll make us stronger. It'll make us more willing and yielding and submissive to Him when we obey the cannots and shall nots as well as the cans and the cans, uh, the do's. Do this and do that, and you can enjoy it and be blessed and all that stuff. All together. When the Almighty God wanted to reveal to His people the way to live life in its fullness, He gave them the Ten Commandments. They're God's top ten directives that summarize 
the moral values of God's people and how they're to live. They are essentials for living in freedom. You want to live in freedom? Get the law of God in your life. David said, Thy laws have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The Ten Commandments are one of the few things the Jews and the Muslims and the Christians all agree on. All three of these groups accept these commandments as being from God, believe it or not. God's top ten are the bedrock of the Western civilization. Many legal historians would contend that the American judicial system was originated based on the Ten Commandments. I believed that all my life. I believed that our nation was built on the commandments of God and the Word of God. In fact, you can't hardly find it anywhere referenced anymore, but the very first textbook in the American schools was the Bible. And now we've gotten so far away from it. The president of the National Reformer, Theodore Roosevelt, made this statement. No man is a good citizen unless he so acts as to show that he actually uses the Ten Commandments. President Abraham Lincoln said, Were it not for the Ten Commandments, we would not know right from wrong. But the opinion of many Americans toward the Ten Commandments has changed so drastically. Today, they're seen as outdated and useless and even illegal because in 1980, the Supreme Court of the United States banned hanging the Ten Commandments on the walls of our schools. And you might wonder, why would they do that? Well, the majority believed that the Ten Commandments had no educational value for school children. These are justices in the Supreme Court in the 80s, didn't believe there was any educational value coming from the Ten Commandments. Let me directly quote the majority ruling that they wrote. If the posted copies of the Ten Commandments are to have any effect at all, it will be to induce the school children to read, meditate upon, perhaps to venerate, and to obey the commandments, which they went on to write, is not a permissible object. Now you think about it. The majority on the court were saying, it's not permissible for students to honor God, to speak without cursing, to honor their parents, to tell the truth, to be honest and respect others' property and to treat life sacredly. If these values are not allowed, should it surprise us that many public schools now have employed metal detectors and, and surveillance cameras and bomb squads and undercover police officers? 
So what's your opinion? Wouldn't you agree that the Ten Commandments would be of some educational value for our children in today's schools? What really astonishing to me is to realize that this ruling was made in a courtroom where a depiction of Moses and the Ten Commandments adorned the walls. And you could say the Ten Commandments are the value system by which God's people were created to live and the standard by which greatness is to be measured. But only 45% of Americans, when surveyed, could even name five of those ten. And maybe that could be expected from the general population. But when weekly churchgoers were asked, there were only 47% of churchgoers that could name five of the Ten Commandments. Folks, we have been given many warnings in God's words. Peter warned us to save ourselves from this untoward generation. Nobody is going to save you. If you're going to heaven, it's because you really want to go. You really desire to be saved. Israel kept getting in trouble with God because they would not obey the warnings. And their decisions to disobey God caused them to have God's judgments instead of God's blessing. That same thing can happen to us in this generation, in our society, in this time where God has given us instructions and he has provided for us everything that we need to go to heaven. We could look at it as be too demanding and too wrong and too, too restricting instead of being a privilege. One of the saddest stories in the Bible is the story of King Saul, one of the most favored men in the kingdom of God, head and shoulders above everybody else. He was anointed and blessed. God put his approval on Saul when he became king of Israel, and may I say the first king of Israel. His downfall was because he just didn't take God's law seriously. He just couldn't understand how that would be so necessary and important. And when God told him, when they went against the Amalekites, he said, kill them all. I know in our society we don't understand that. We don't understand why God did a lot of things. But I'm going to tell you, God saw the future. He knew what Israel was going to do. And he knew if they didn't kill them, if they didn't annihilate them, they would pick up their habits. They would pick up their traits pick up their religion, pick up their gods, pick up the way that they lived. And so God said, get rid of it. You know, when God tells us in our day, there's things we ought not to do. He said, don't lie. Lying gets us in trouble, but we still do it sometimes. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. 
Don't be dishonest. Don't do dishonest things. Pay your debts. Pay your debts. If you borrow some money, pay it. If you got a bill, pay it. Be honest. Take care of things, your responsibilities. And God implemented all of those things. And then in living for God, he told us how to live for him. He said, there's some things you can't do. There's some attitudes you can't pick up. There's some habits that you can't develop. There's some places you can't go and some people you can't hang around with. And you know, when God does that, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, that's, you know, he's too, God's too mean to me. <laughs> God just don't love me because, you know, he just won't give me the liberty. I ought to be able to go in a bar and sit down and drink a couple of beers if I want to. I ought to be able to smoke a joint with my friends and just let them know that I'm not going to judge them and, and make them feel bad. They're my friends, and I want them to feel good being around me, so I'll smoke a joint with them. That's no big deal. And the day that we start thinking it's no big deal is the day we're going to wake up and find ourselves in trouble. Because with God, there are some commandments. There are some thou shalls and thou shalt nots. And God put them in place for us because he wants us to have the privileges that come with obedience. When we obey God, the privilege of having that clean conscience, that clean conscience, that clean spirit. I can look at Tom Phillips in the face and, and I have nothing in my heart against him. He's never done me wrong. And as far as I know, I've never done him wrong. I felt like I had. I'd be apologizing right now. I feel completely clean around this man. I don't have to dodge him. I don't see him and go the other way because I don't want to face him because I owe him money or because I said bad things about him. And see, God tells us don't do those things because he knows the benefits are going to come when we obey him and what we're going to feel when we don't obey him. I don't know about y'all, but I felt both ways. I felt guilty and I felt clean and I like feeling clean much better. I felt joy in my life, and I felt unhappiness, and I sure like the joy over the unhappiness. I've liked the blessings of God over the curses of God. I've liked my finances blessed, and that's why I give. I like the blessings of God. I like healing in my body. I like all of these things that come only from God. It's a privilege that God gives me when I obey him. A lot of people want those privileges. They want everything you have, Sister Gail. They want everything you have, Brother Young. Brother Adam, they want everything you have. They want what you've got, Sister Amy. But they don't want to pay any price to get that. I want the blessings. I want the benefits. I want what God didn't do for me, but I don't want to do much for God. See, I don't want to commit. I don't want to have to come to church every Wednesday night and Sunday morning and 
Sunday night, if I'm in any program or leadership, that's just too confining. And I sure don't like it when pastor asks us to come to prayer time before every service. Just takes up so much of my time. But yet, that same person that don't want to pray loves to come in here and feel the liberty to worship God. I'm going to tell you, there's a price to pay for us having the kind of worship we have, for us having the kind of services we have. And some of you hadn't learned it yet. You can't discipline yourself to pray. I'm praying that God will help you learn and discipline yourself to pray. Get here for prayer time. Get down on your face. Get down and look at God and say, God, show me. Reveal to me what I need to be doing and listen to it. If you'll do it, I'm telling you, the benefits will come. The blessings will come. The joy will come. The happiness will come. The freedom will come in your life when you adhere what God's telling us to do. I've been pastoring 30 years here. I've watched people grow and mature. Some of y'all been here a long time. I've watched you grow from, can I say it? And you don't take it wrong from a loser nobody to a somebody. A blessed somebody. Some of you were on destination to hell. You, you were on hell's highway. You were heading there quickly. And God got a hold of you and you started coming. You got the Holy Ghost. You started listening to preaching and teaching. You started listening to old hard-headed pastor where he tells you you ought to pray and fast. You ought to read your Bible. You ought to be a worshiper. You ought to be faithful to church. You ought to give faithfully. And you listen to me. Now, some of you got better jobs than you ever dreamed of having. Some of you have been blessed better than you ever imagined you would be blessed because you were on a loser's highway. But when you started obeying and you started turning toward God, you started listening to him and you started looking for the, at those laws of God as privileges and not as just commandments, not as just something I can't do. But when I do it, I get blessed. I get benefits. I get God's favor. I get God's blessings. I get God's healing. I get raises. All that we read when we, when we read that statement about our giving. Folks, I'm going to tell you, we don't just read that because that's a good sounding statement. Most of that on that statement's already happened to me. Only one I don't think I've had right now is, 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 uh, is those royalties, but I'm working on that one. I believe there's a day coming real soon I'm going to have royalties. I do. And almost everything on that list has happened to me. You say, well, man, I wish it happened to me. Well, go look at my checkbook. And you'll see my wife and I have been given personally to missions. We've got 275 a month that we pay missionaries every month. Not the church, not the church missionaries, our personal missionaries. If you had all the thousands of dollars that I spend, some of you would be pretty, you could go buy you a new car. If you had the thousands that I spend every year taking people out to eat, 
trying to help them, trying to grunt them, trying to show appreciation, trying to get them in the church or keep them in the church, try to just help them. How many times have I walked up and wrote $100 checks and $100 bills and put them in somebody's purse or leave them in their hand? If you want to be blessed, you've got to be a blessing. If you want to be blessed, you've got to be a blessing. Would you stand?